Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Today is Wednesday, July 6, 2016, and today we're reading from the big book. Um, we're currently on page 78, starting with the last paragraph. Today's readers, we have, <clears throat> we have Anne-Marie M. on the 12 steps. We have Christine M. on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text are Linda R., Monica T. and Judy F. The reference number for yesterday, uh, Tuesday, is 8892. That's 8892. Okay, the, the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let me now ask Anne-Marie M. if you'd be kind enough to read the 12 steps. Anne-Marie? Thank you. This is Anne-Marie M. Uh, grateful, um, compulsive overeater, gratefully abstinent through God's grace. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much. Okay, let me now ask Christine M. to read the 12 Traditions. Christine, good morning. Yes, good morning, everyone. This is Christine M., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Missouri. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 
for each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsible reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such, are never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues since the OA name ought never be drawn in the public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service, and I, and I pass. Thanks, Christine. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So what we do is we read a paragraph or two. What we do is we read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. And if, if you'd be kind enough to mute your phone by pressing star one, we'd appreciate that. Um, anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're, we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. And so to share, you just press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then, of course, press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, um, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're going to resume our study of the big book. This is how we do it here. Um, and we are on page 78. We're at on the uh, last paragraph, which starts, perhaps we have committed a criminal offense. We're going to read through uh, two paragraphs and our comments are going to be on the, the second paragraph. So I'm going to ask Linda, good morning, Linda R., to, to go ahead and read. Thank you, Larry. Good morning. This is Linda R. Recovered in North Carolina, and thank you so much for your service on the line today. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense which might land us in jail if, we, if it were known to the authorities. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We have already admitted this incompetence to another person, but we are sure we would be imprisoned or lose our job if it were known. Maybe it's only a petty offense, such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done this sort of thing. Maybe we are divorced and have re remarried, but haven't kept up the alimony to number one. She is indignant about it and has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble, too. Although these reparations take innumerable forms, there are some general principles which we find guiding reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing. 
no matter what the personal consequences may be. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. We must not shrink at anything. So these are the paragraphs where we are still, you know, doing the work where the truth will set us free. Like in steps, it's five, you know, they talked about how we admitted this incompetence to another person. We've done the fourth because, you know, we've done all the work, you know, as far as, you know, the patterns of the past with our defects of character. We've cleared out a lot. However, we haven't cleared it all out. So in this paragraph, we're talking more about the things that we have done as far as, you know, being dishonest. And to me, it's like a progressive nature with everything, not only with the defects that I looked at in my fourth step and gave away in my fifth. Now I'm looking at a new aspect of my behaviors, my dishonesty with, you know, different patterns that I did with these types of uh, behaviors. So it doesn't really matter what acts I've committed. And I've done many things in my life, you know, in the program, I've really cleared out a lot of things that I've done, especially manipulation with money. You know, my ex-husband did a lot of dishonest things, which I was in denial about and I refused to look at and I participated in it. And it took me a long time for that awareness to come up because that too, for me, was very progressive. And until I really hit bottom and, you know, started working these steps, talks about, um, you know, it's like the reparations take innumerable forms and the reparation takes a lot of action, just like I did in all the other work up to this point. The principles they're talking about are the guiding, which are the steps. And behind each principle, behind each step is a principle. So like I was looking at that, like step one, I had to admit, you know, with these things, with, you know, the eighth and ninth step where I needed to make these amends. I had to look at, you know, being honest, integral, willing. I needed to have humility. And of course, the self-discipline and perseverance of working the principles they're talking about, which were my guiding lights. And of course, my fellows, which led me the way. Reminding ourselves we decided, that's step three, two and three. You know, I made that decision in two and three. And as I worked these steps, I enlarged my spiritual experience and got closer to a higher power, which gave me the strength and direction to do the right thing. You know, that's, to me, this is, you know, the whole um, spiritual awakening in the program. Took me a long time to do it. And um, I was given the strength and direction. And I was willing to do the work. And um, no matter what has happened to me, you know, in all of this, this work, you know, there are times in my life where different layers arise. It takes a very long time. For me, it's taken a lifetime of one day at a time, really, you know, seeing my pattern and really, you know, working the steps with them. And um, I just want to share also that, you know, for me, the mental obsession always kicked in when I did these things, you know, God was always tapping me on the shoulder, even when I was doing the things that weren't really kosher or dishonest. And he would always like awake me and say, Linda, this is the right thing. You know, I was like uncomfortable. I was guilt ridden. I had shame about it, but I wasn't ready to really do the work until I, you know, cleared myself in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and now I'm up to eighth and ninth. And the rest will be revealed and the best is yet to come. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thanks, Linda. Okay, so we're going to open it up to share. Just if you're jumping on the line, we're on Linda read page 78, uh, the last paragraph. Uh, we read through two paragraphs, and our comments are going to be on the second paragraph there. So who would like to share on what was read? Carolyn S.H. Reva P. Judy. 
Judy Kim- F. Kimberly L. Kimberly L. All right. I got Carolyn, Renee Judy, C. Reva, Kimberly, Renee. Hey, hey, Bas- Renee. Hey, hey. Vasa. <laughs> I heard you, Vasa. Who else? Here's what I got so far. I got Carolyn, Judy, Reva, Kimberly, Renee, and Vasa. Did I leave someone out? All right, let's go with that lineup. So we're going to start with, and if you would be kind enough, gentle reminder to um, to be muted out unless you're Carolyn. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everybody. Carolyn S.H. calling in from Massachusetts, a grateful recovered uh, uh, sugar addict. Um, and uh, I have most of this paragraph highlighted. Um, and I really don't have much to say, but I wanted to, jump on the line and say that a couple words that are jumping out at me, which is um, the word find, uh, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any length to find a spiritual experience. One thing that I'm discovering about myself and that I've heard some of you speak about as well is um, I tend to try to create my own spiritual experience, like to try to effectuate it myself, um, and it never works. And that's kind of my default um, if I'm actually not actively doing a step, um, then I'm like doing some kind of mind gym or you know some kind of something trying to create my own spiritual experience, and I'm realizing um, all I have to do is just follow instructions and um, and the spiritual experience kind of finds me um, and then the part that said, uh, we must not shrink at anything. I'm finding where I am in my steps. I have a handful of amends left, and they're the scariest ones for me. And I feel like um, a little bit of the waiting to do these big amends has been the right thing to do. But at this point, I'm hiding behind the fear. And I feel like um, the reading is just perfect that we're in this part of the chapter um, for me, because I'm realizing I just can't shrink at um, approaching my siblings and doing the amends that I have prepared. So that's all I wanted to say. Thanks so much for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thanks, Carolyn. Okay, we have Judy next, followed by Reva. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, Larry. This is Judy F. <laughs> I'm a uh, grateful recovered compulsive reader from Massachusetts. And I'm just going to set my timer. And um, yes, and good morning, visionaries. So um, what I wanted to point out um, that was pointed out to me, uh, you know, that um, there are um, general principles which we find guiding. So I am coming to, by step nine, living by principles instead of, my own feelings, thoughts, being comfortable, avoiding um, people, places, things, um, to be comfortable, you know, living by fear. Now I have principles to live by, and I've already been through um, eight, and now I'm in nine. And then, and that's what guides me. And then reminding ourselves, another, it's a second warning um, of a reminder of the commitment that I've made that decided to go to any lengths to a spiritual experience. On page 76, 
they had the other, the first um, reminder that we would go. Um, remember, it was on page 76, third paragraph at the end. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any length for victory over alcohol. So here's another one because they, through experience, in my own experience, you know, this is, is this is hard work, and and my fear is going to come up, and fear came up for me. Um, and then there's a prayer right after that because I need God in this step. I need God in every step, and there's a prayer in every step. And this prayer is we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing. And it's starting to practice, as in step 11, we ask for strength and direction. Um, it's practicing that I'm relying on God and not myself. Um, I run it by my sponsor, and then I go with God um, in all of my amends. I went with God, and um, most of them were the results were were positive, but the, the, they were all positive in that I walked through the fear with God. I became closer to my higher power, and it was more God, less Judy, and um, and that is the way I live today. And I still need to do this. And I still need to pray when I make amends, especially to my husband, because my pride gets in there, and it still can be painful. And and I can get fearful um, of the outcome. And so I still need to go to God. And um, and it, like it says, but we are willing, and that we have to be. I have to be because I know I will go back to the food. And that was a life of misery, a life of isolation. Um, I had no life. It, it was a life of um, death, no spirit, um, uh, and I just lived for the food, and I don't want to go back there. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Okay, we have Reva followed by Kimberly. Good morning, Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I wanted to focus on what I feel are the warnings in this paragraph because it says in multiple ways um, that I have to be willing to do the right thing no matter what. I'm willing. I have to be. I must. And there's another must. I must not shrink. So I love the reminder now that I'm here in step nine where I'm changing my behavior for the better, not just band-aiding with apologies and then, you know, rushing on and doing the same old thing. Um, It it starts getting scary when I have to make um, amends, especially these living amends where um, I don't create more of a mess to clean up. And it's like they know, they know uh, these first 100 people that I'm going to start getting scared now and it's easy to go backwards. And it says it again later on in reference to step 10, um, that it's easy to let up on this spiritual program of action and rest on my laurels and go with yesterday's insights and awarenesses um, and step work. And it doesn't work. I only have a 24-hour battery and every 24 hours it runs out and I've got to do the same old thing to charge it up um, the next day. So um, yesterday it was very interesting. My phone service um, connecting to this meeting was discontinued um, and I was just driven by fear. Um, And if I am committed to living this way of life, um, I need to trust that if I'm supposed to connect to this line, there will be a way. And if I'm not, then I'm relying on God and not any particular meeting or person. Um, And of course there's a way. There's always a way because I ask for strength and direction 
from a higher power um, left to my own self-will. Um, I'm totally confused, overwhelmed, um, and self-will run riot. But I love the warnings. You know, I have to stick to the program. The road does get narrower, as somebody shared yesterday. And the only way out is through by relying on a power that's not me. With that, I pass. Thanks so much, Reva. Okay, so we have Kimberly followed by Renee. Kimberly, good morning. Good morning. This is Kimberly L. in Georgia. Um, Thank you, everyone, for sharing and for doing service today. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Georgia. One of the things that I want to focus on, um, and this is exactly where I am, so I'm currently um, working through my nine-step amends, and, you know, this stuff isn't easy. I've been in the program since I was 17 years old, and I, um, so over 25 years, And this is a step that I've always fell off um, on. So I started doing amends um, at one point in my life, and then I just decided I wasn't willing and it was too hard. And, of course, I ended up back in the food. So this time around, you know, I made a decision to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. I'm in this, right? So I've been doing this work for the last five months you know, working every single day and doing what I need to do. I am out there. I am making amends four, five a week, however many I can get in. And I'm not one of those that has maybe three or four amends or six or seven. I have lots of them to do. Um, But I have to be willing. And yesterday I had to make a phone call to an old college roommate and I did not want to. I I did not want to call this woman at all. And I had to keep reminding myself and keep praying that I made the decision to go to any lengths to find this spiritual experience and to recover. The other thing I have to remind myself is, um, excuse me, the other thing I have to remind myself around willingness is that so I have some significant financial amends to make. And my sponsor and I have worked out a way in which I can do it that doesn't affect the family finances. And that is giving up some of my personal appointments like hair and nails and other things. And when she first came at me with this, I had to remind myself that I said I would be willing to go to any lengths because believe you me, I did not want to do that. You know, I have to be, you know, primped in all that stuff, but I have to do this because if I don't, I will eat. And it's been my experience that I have not been willing, excuse me, in the past, and I have gone back to the food. I have made a commitment to God and to my family and to myself that I will change and that I am willing to go to any length. And, um, And I'm doing this one day at a time. Thanks so much. I'll pass. Thank you, Kimberly. Okay, we have Renee followed by Vasa. Hey, hey, Renee, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, and thank you for your service. Can you hear me? I can. Great. My name is Renee, grateful, recovered. I forgot what I was. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Compulsive overeater. I've had so many things I've said through the years, I sometimes forget what I'm saying. So, This was a really profound paragraph for me to remind ourselves that we've decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience 
and that we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. There was a time, and I still have moments like this where I squirm about this because I think, well, I've already gone through so many personal consequences and I've already done this and I've already done that. But it says that I have to be willing to do what I need to do. And I'm dragging my feet in a couple areas. I'm right now working on steps 10, 11, and 12 on an ongoing basis. And, um, you know, I, I really am finding that this book and these directions and instructions give me strength and spiritual guidance every day. I am so thankful to have found a spiritual experience a spiritual connection to a higher power, to my fellows, to myself again. I lost myself in the food when I relapsed nine years ago. And I've been in OA a long time, and I had someone uh, send me, this is a little off the cuff, but the set-aside prayer, to set aside everything I know, because here it says that no matter what the personal consequences may be, I have to do these things that are that are listed and outlined in the big book. And with that, I will pass and have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Okay, we have Vasa. Good morning, Vasa. Yes, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Larry, for your service. And I am grateful, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And uh, I, <laughs> I decided I was going to go to any length just to put the food down, and uh, uh, I found hope, you know, I found hope. I heard that I could recover through abstinence and working the 12 steps and follow the directions the way they are laid out in this book. It's just amazing. Well, doing step one, two, and three gave me strength, you know, uh, um, admitting that I was all the food that I needed to surrender to higher power grade than myself for help, you know, and it started with the food, and thank you, God, I got my abstinence right from the beginning, and then, of course, I was I was uh, recommended I work the rest of the steps because if I did not go back into the food, well, I did not want to die, so I decided I better do, you know, the steps the way they laid out. And uh, again, step nine, step eight, and nine were very difficult for me to do because, uh, I, you know, the fear, you know. But I, again, I asked God to help me to give me the strength. And I remember going to a step meetings, a lot of step meetings, and hearing and how other people did it. And and I would say, well, if they do that, I can do it too, you know. You know, I was motivated. You know, they gave me the motivation. I can do it like they're doing it. And uh, I've done most of my amends. Uh, you know, there's probably one or two left in the old country. And I thought maybe I could get away with some of those till I took a trip in the old country. And God put those people in my life. And uh, as a child, I've spent 15 years in the old country. So I did go back over the, made a couple of amends to my aunt. And there's one or two more. I, you know, I haven't seen them yet. But if I take another trip and God puts them in my life, and I'll be, ha- I'll be, doing my amends to those people. 
So, again, it's such a freedom. You know, most of my experience was really positive, you know. And, um, again, I never went to jail. I didn't uh, steal big things, but still, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. You know, whatever I did was not working, so I better try to correct things with my higher power, with the help of my higher power. Thank you for letting me share that pass. Thanks so much, Vasa. Okay, we'll take a few more. If anyone wants to jump in, who wants to share? Nessa R. James. We've got Nessa and James. What page, please? What page? We are, yeah, yeah, we're on page 78. We're on the last paragraph, and we read through two paragraphs. Our comments are on the, the, the paragraph, we must not shrink at anything. All right, let's go. We're gonna we'll go with Nessa, then James, then uh, Harmonica. My good friend Monica is gonna read to us. Nessa, you're up. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. This is Nessa R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I too wanted to comment on uh, well, on two things. The first one is um, find a spiritual experience. Um, for me, a spiritual experience is a relationship with God. And I cannot have a relationship with God until I set things right with God. And I cannot set things right with God until I set things right with my fellows, you know, the people that I have harmed. Um, And so that is a very important, it's it's a hierarchy, you know. One thing um, follows another. If I don't make my amends, if I am still blocked by harms that I've done others, um, then I'm not going to get there. I'm not going to get to that spiritual experience, and I'm going to eat again. You know, the the obsession of the mind will not be lifted, and I will be thrown back into the well-known stages of a spree, uh, which to me spell death. And, you know, this brings me to, to my second point um, about no matter what the personal consequences may be, because I think for me and probably most of us, um, losing our position, our reputation, facing jail are probably, you know, not um, possibilities, maybe remotely, but not real possibilities. So so what are the personal consequences? You know, the staff, the, the, the staff to our pride, to my pride, it's my pride that keeps me from doing what I need to do. It is my pride that kept me from doing the toughest amends that I had to make, which were to my father. And, uh, you know, no matter how many times my sponsor told me, you know, you're not going to get many more chances. Do it now. Do it now. I didn't. And, you know, he um, he passed away uh, unexpectedly. And uh, with my amends not made. And I had to actually make amends to his wife, which was a lot tougher than it would have been just to make amends to my father. And the one thing that kept me was my pride. Um, you know, I didn't want to admit that I was wrong. And that kept me blocked from God. It kept me blocked from recovery. And, you know, God gave me another opportunity. It was a much tougher opportunity. But thank God, I, you know, I got wiser and and I took it, and it wasn't as bad as I thought, you know, um, it was going to be. You know, um, I was afraid of being humiliated. I was afraid of, I don't even know what I was afraid. Um, it's just, it, it, it was pride. It was absolutely like total pride. And so once I set that aside, uh, everything just flowed. And, um, 
you know, it opened up, you know, such a clear field, you know, for me to, um, for me to live truly, truly free without anything hanging over my head. So uh, I pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, James, you're on, James. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Good morning. Uh, for everybody on the line. I, um, <clears throat> this was a significant step um, for me. I just, overall, it was extremely adventuresome. And what I, what I realized I had to do, I couldn't do this without God in my life. I, I you know, with all, the, with all my roadblocks, whether, whether they were hurdles or whether they were mountains, it didn't matter. I made I had every excuse in the world to either duck dodge delay more importantly delay um set aside not do what I was supposed to do or not face these situations as I needed to face them so I took what I did is I took God with me in all of these situations and a lot of times I had real deep conversations and I says okay if this is you it's going to have to work out the way you planned it, not the way I predict that it will work out or the way I fear that it may end up. Because rejection is a real horrible consequence of something I never really want to face. And a result, a lot of these things put me in a position to be rejected. And I was pr- pr- predicting that I would be rejected. I was expecting to be rejected. But because I, I did what I did and did it as the way the um, – the big book had prescribed and more importantly communicated it back and forth and bounced it off with my sponsor. You know, these things worked out. These things worked out in, in marvelous ways. And each one of these each one of these that I did produced a closer clarity of who God was in my life and not my own opinion of myself and my others or my past. And it separated me from something that started to eliminate the fear, the hurdle, the mountain the the preconceived notion of what all this would end up or how it would end up was an absolutely phenomenal experience that God is more in control of me than I even realized. And you know, I know there's a willing that there's a willingness part that that I had to have, but I also know that I'm now closer as and I had my spiritual experience as a result of these steps and this was a major important part of it. I don't want to diminish any of the other steps, but this was the one that opened my eyes. It says, you know, I don't know what I need to know, and I don't know it all, and I don't need to know it all. I just need to be willing, humble, and obedient. And with that, I pass. Thanks, James. Monica, I'm just going to jump in real quick here. Um, I don't do anything real quick. This is Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader. I just, you know, it says, we may lose our position or reputation or face jail. I didn't have to face uh, jail, but, but we're willing. You know, um, it took some courage. You know, there was a lot of false pride that I had, um, arrogance, pretending I'm better than others. I want you to know just how important of a man I am. You know, uh, a professional clinical psychologist with all these degrees and all this stuff. You know what? Um, I was struggling to uphold a false image. How free did I want to be? Well, the disease, disease had to beat me down a bit. Um, you know, there were people that, uh, that, I, that I needed to go to, but I wasn't prepared to go to them yet because what if, oh my gosh, what if they knew, you know, that I was, guess what? They already knew. Maybe they didn't know all the details, but it wasn't even about that really. You see, for me, it was about when I had the courage to go to any lengths, 
didn't mean I had to share everything with everyone that I went to. But you know what? I had to take, I had to have the courage to step in there and kind of what it did was, is I took a, a small step towards my higher power by doing this. And I got to tell you, my higher power took a giant leap towards me. And that's what happened. And I'm free today. I'm a free man today. I mean, can you imagine how amazing that is? Anybody who's gone through this experience knows what I'm talking about. I'm a free guy today. I don't, the false pride that, that, I, just, that I, I just wore like some, you know, heavy clothing or something. I don't, I don't have that anymore. I can tell you guys this. I can look you in the eye and tell you this. Of course, I don't need food anymore to numb myself out. All right, with that, I'll pass enough out of me. <clears throat> Monica, good morning. Are you going to read to us? I am. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. This is Monica T, alias Vermonica, or Harmonica here. Recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Usually, however, other people are involved. Therefore, we are not to be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. A man we know had remarried. Because of resentment and drinking, he had not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. She went to court and got an order for his arrest. He had commenced our way of life, had secured a position, and was getting his head above water. It would have been impressive heroics if he had walked up to the judge and said, Here I am. We thought... He ought to be willing to do that if necessary. But if he were in jail, he could provide nothing for either family. We suggested he write his first wife admitting his faults and asking forgiveness. He did, and also sent a small amount of money. He told her what he would try to do in the future. He said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted Of course, she did not. And the whole situation has long been adjusted. So here we are in interaction, and we're reading steps eight and nine. And the big book is giving us all kinds of little um, um, do's and don'ts about working our our ninth step amends. And also there's mentions of different types of attitudes. I just want to point these little general things out. You know, attitude, tact, common sense, open, calm. And then, of course, there's some some warnings. You know, don't ever criticize. Don't argue. Don't tell him what he should do. Um, Don't dodge, you know. Um, And here we're given another little warning here. Other people are involved here. So don't be hasty in the foolish martyr. And I think this is very important that we are in step nine here. We're doing our amends in step nine. So for anybody that's out there that's new, this is step nine now. We don't go out and foolishly and hastily try to make amends when we're back on step one or two. And then the other thing I wanted to point out is on the second paragraph that I read, we thought he ought to be willing We suggested he write his first wife, admitting his faults. Step nine, absolutely, you have to have a guide, uh, a sponsor to help you with this step. You know, because our head is full of crazy ideas, you know, and my way hasn't worked. 
So I have to have somebody else's clarity to go over what I am going to say and what I am doing when I go out to make that ninth step amend. And I was told I had to write a letter. And then we reviewed that letter to make sure that I didn't say anything that would hurt anybody and then go out and do it with God and prayer. So here, what's this guy doing? So they give him directions. My sponsor gave me directions, and he's following these directions. And what else is he doing? He's taking responsibility, especially with a financial matter here. You know, when we go out to make an amends, we say what we've done to harm them and then how we're going to change. And so here, he's showing it right up front. He's given her some money and said, this is my plan. I will pay you so much a month type of deal. And, you know, our actions speak greater than our words. And with that, I will pass. Thanks, Monica. Okay, who would like to share on what was read? Suji. Sue? Anybody else? Roz G. Got Roz. And anybody else? Matt and then some Katie. Okay. Let's go with that. We got um, Sue G. We got Roz. We got Matt. And then we got Katie. We'll see where we go from there. Sue, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Um, Sue G. from Michigan, recovered compulsive over a year. Um, What I'm noticing is how many pages they're using for one step. I think this is the most, other than step one where they, then they add two and three together. I mean, for one individual step, um, they're using, we're using a lot of pages. And I don't always share because it's like, oh, man, I know, what am I going to say on this? You know, this is pretty much a little bit like what we just read. And and uh, so I don't share, but um, I like the idea. Of, I've, I've incorporated this prayer we asked uh, that no matter, um, that we be given the strength and direction to do the right thing no matter what the personal consequences may be. That applies to life, too, and applies to um making amends that applies to our family. And I've incorporated that into my morning meditation for step 11 because uh, I just feel that it's a that one and, and also on page, uh, boy, all the way over, we still we keep going all the way to page 92, I think it is, um, where there's a little nine-step prayer. And I just, you know, I, I it just thoroughly amazes me um, so, so many things have come up because of other people sharing that I know now that I have some new amends, amends to make if I could ever figure out, you know, I might have to make financial donation to the church or something like that because I, the companies aren't there. I have no way of getting them, you know, in touch with them. This is, this is, these are things that go back that I never thought of. Uh, when I made my first amends or my second amends, I mean, second, fourth step or did my inventory. These things just didn't come up. I, I didn't think about them and, because I was so young. And I was in my 30s when I um, did my first 
uh, wrote out my first amends. And man, there were things when I was a teenager that haven't never have come up to me, you know, come up to me until people have shared. You know, I think as a babysitting, the food I ate, I used to babysit, and they'd say, you can have anything you want. You know, you can have anything you want. Well, I think, you know, within reason, yeah. But, I mean, uh, if I found goodies, you know, I, well, I really had them. And I don't think that was really what they meant by, you know, the same thing you'd like, you can have it. So then I used to bring in um, things uh, when I was older and babysat to help a friend at church. And I would bring in some for me and some for him when he left for work. But, I mean, what a what a dishonest way. Oh, I brought these for you, but you know, I got a little bag hidden here for me, too, after you leave. And um, so there's a lot of thinking that I've been doing with Step 9, and I'm going to have to... Um, make a little list of of uh, things that have come up since we've been on step nine. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Sue. Okay, we have Roz followed by Matt. Good morning, Roz. Good morning. My name is Roz G. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Los Angeles County. And um, I'm also the um, highly educated person that... Uh, has a good career and an upstanding person in the community. However, um, many years ago, um, I was on welfare uh, in a really difficult marriage, very difficult. I'm not in that marriage today. But uh, I was married to a man who used to um, just take whatever money I had. Um, and I you know, I accepted that, but... Uh, one day I got into uh I got a check from a company that was that was this this lawsuit that I was involved in that I didn't even really know uh I was involved. I, I remember I had signed some kind of paper saying that I would be involved, but it's kinda like this thing where a whole bunch of people are are suing a company for something they did wrong, but I really didn't I was so vague about it. Anyway, my my daughter, a little girl handed me a check for nine thousand dollars. And uh, I hid the money. Uh, we were on welfare at the time, uh, and uh, I hid that money. I never told welfare. I never told anybody. And um, because I thought that he was going to steal it from me. So years after that, after I was out of that marriage, I was in program, in getting in recovery, and. Uh, learning how to make amends, uh, I got a letter from the welfare fraud department because they had found out, or actually I was being honest in my taxes and and had reported the money. I learned that I had to, you know, get these, make amends. And so they did contact me. It was welfare fraud, and I, I felt so ashamed. But my sponsor and I went over these pages and that I needed to make amends to, you know, the County of Los Angeles state. So I went to them and I told them, uh, this is why I did this. I was single or I was in a, in a very difficult marriage. I had three young children. I was afraid that my husband was going to take the money from me and I, and I, didn't, I didn't know what else to do. So um, they came over to my house to, to, to see what kind of assets I had and 
uh, I thought I was going to go to jail. I thought I was going to get in real trouble. But I told the lady, I'm in a 12-step program. I was not, I am not the same person I was back then. I didn't know what to do, and I was afraid that uh, I was going to lose that money. And the lady ended up, the welfare lady from the department ended up crying in my apartment, feeling so sorry for me, you know, in her way that I never heard from the welfare department again. And, you know, I don't know how much that has to do with these pages, but just that God just saw saw, my, saw, saw me through that. And um, I never got in trouble at all. Um, and I, today, I, whenever I, whatever money I receive, I report, honestly. And I'm, um, I don't have any issues with that. And uh, I've made so many different kinds of amends over the years and just made one to my sister who had, we had hardly spoken very much for 20 years. Now we're starting to repair that relationship and rebuild it. And, uh, I ate for all of those reasons, but. Anyway, I just wanted to share that story because I was willing. I didn't want to go to jail. I had three small children to take care of, but God took care of that. And uh, I hardly even remember it, but you know, going over these pages and step studies reminds me of that story. So thank you for uh, letting me share here. Thanks so much. Okay, we got Matt, and then Katie's going to wrap it up. Matt, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Um, this is Matt M. Compulsive Overeater in New Jersey. Yeah, I'm glad we're going over this step right now because it means a lot to me. I'm in the middle of my ninth step. And I made so I already started making my amends to the people closest to me. But there's a few. I go to a day program during the day. And uh, there's this one amends that I'm really not ready to make, but I, I'm going to talk about it with my sponsor. It's about a gentleman I uh, I know, and he said some really derogatory comments about me being gay. But at the same time, Previous to that, I upset him and did some things to annoy him. He said to stop certain behaviors, and I wouldn't do them anyway. So this might be amends that he might not want to hear this person, but I have to become willing to do it, and that's why I pray to my higher power to do it. But um, I heard someone share about taking money um, and not paying it back. Um, I had a big inheritance when I sold my house, almost $100,000, and uh, I was on disability at the time. And I had all that money, and I never reported to disability. We were, I was dishonest. My Uncle Eddie was the one who held over the, um, the inheritance um, in his name in order so I could still receive my benefits. So, you know, I don't know what to do about that one, but I do feel guilty about that. And it may be one that I can't rectify at the moment because I, pro- I, don't, I don't know if I would lose my benefits if I mentioned it. But, you know, it's about willing to be honest about all the amends I have to make. And I'm doing them day by day one day at a time, and it's not always easy, but I have to be willing to put my best foot forward with people, and that's what I'm doing. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Matt. Katie, good morning. Hey, Larry. Can you hear me? I can. Cool. Katie G, recovered, compulsive reader, anorexic, and bulimic, starting my timer. I guess the biggest thing that I wanted to come on and share about is um, – we're not alone, right? Like, first of all, as has been beautifully stated by our fellows, there are a bunch of steps before here, right? So this isn't about alleviating my guilt. This isn't about um, 
going out there and saying sorry. This is about true amends and setting right wrong. And I have a lot, I've made a lot of amends. Um, I did this stuff the first time eight years ago. And I, I, what I learned the most is the fellowship will teach me and show me how. And that's what I really get from these paragraphs. We suggested um, I lied um, at a unemployment trial um, about a woman and her and my interactions. And I was afraid and didn't know the outcome, but was pretty clear that my lie could have, should have impacted whether or not she got unemployment. She had three children. Um, I was so scared to even talk about this, but because of the help of a recovered alcoholic, um, she told me, she made suggestions. I went to the unemployment office after six months of making other amends. I was taught to make my low-hanging amends first to teach me how to really dialogue with people. Um, I had experiences where, you know, I was inappropriate um, with my amends. I learned from that. And every amend I reviewed with another recovered person, but I went to the financial um, whatever office. I said I was in recovery. I said that I lied. I gave them the name of this woman. Um, and then I wrote her a letter and said what I had done. And my fear was that I would be hit with like a $60,000 debt. Um, and I never heard. I followed up with them and I never heard. Um, and I don't know, I may still hear. Um, but with God by my side and, and willingness um, and the recovered people who walk before me, I learn. Um, I put my license at risk. You all know that. Um, God put a woman in my life who has the same profession as me. And she and I talked through my wrongs. And we talked about a way to make the amend without risking, um, without putting myself in um, and others in, you know, really clear distress. So it is about willingness and it is about walking one step at a time. I'm going to walk this path one day at a time and ask God to help me be willing to restore any additional harms as they come up. Uh, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Okay, and thank you to everyone who has shared. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We're now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And would Judy F., would you read for us, please? Yes, Larry, can I be heard? You can. Good morning. Great. Thanks for your service. Good morning again. Uh, Judy F., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. 
Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Tess.